Katie here in Rome. Once again this week we tackled the topic of assault. This is not a podcast for children to listen to. We do hope to keep the discussion going, so share this with other people that you think would find it helpful. And if you haven't listened to our assault episodes 1 and 2 about suffering assault abroad, go back and listen to episodes 10 and 11 before listening to this episode. Feel free to email us your responses at bittersweetlife at mail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we are once again tackling assault. <laughs> tackling assault. That's pretty funny, right? <laughs> Maybe that's, not. <laughs> that's terrible. That was not funny at all. And the reason we're, we've decided to talk about it one last time is because we got such a nice response from people who listened. We got a lot of emails in support of us doing those two shows, Assault 1 and Assault 2, which I think were episodes 10 and 11. And we also got some stories, a few stories, none of which I'm going to share because I think that they're very personal, but a few stories of incidences that had happened to other people. But I did want to share part of an article that was written. This is by... And I'm not going to read the whole thing, I promise, because I'm a terrible reader. I should almost have you read it, because I'm such I a will. bad reader. Okay. This is by an author named J.L. Spore. And if you want to actually read the entire article, I put it under the press section on our website, which is thebittersweetlife.net, so you can read the whole thing. But we're just going to read a little bit and then see what discussion grows out of it. She's writing basically in response to our podcast, she starts it out by talking about being in the fifth grade and she gets cast to be in a play that's based on the free to be you and me book i don't know if you remember that but a lot of you do uh, which is from the 70s and it was all about loving who you are Uh, it was one of my favorite records growing up but she gets cast into uh, this play and the night before the show she talks about a phone call she gets so i'm gonna have you read from right here While I was getting ready to go to the show one night, I got a phone call from a boy in my class. He was breathing heavy. He used the C word, mentioned pubic hair, giggled. I remember feeling my heart stop, feeling all the fluid in my body run to my feet, then feeling my heart start up again, fall and sparrow fast. I had to go to perform that night, thinking all the while that this guy was watching me. Had to go to school on Monday knowing he was somewhere, maybe sitting next to me. Yes, yes, it was a cruel schoolboy prank. Come on, get a grip, right? It's not like I was molested. But here's the thing. That phone call, that boys will be boys phone call, fundamentally changed me. It changed how I viewed the world, my place in it, how I viewed my safety, my body, my girlness. That was the assault. Here I was in a play celebrating the goodness of each of us, and on the inside I was growing smaller, growing afraid. I've never told anyone this story, including my mother, who I'm sure will immediately upon reading this respond with indignant horror on my behalf, followed by sadness that I'd kept it a secret, followed by the guilt that claims all mothers that she wasn't able to shield me. The reason that I did not tell her is because I was ashamed, embarrassed, sheepish. These emotions are not at all logical. What on earth does a little girl have to be ashamed of when a boy makes a call like that? And yet that shame hung on me like a prophet's hair shirt, tucked away underneath so no one else could see. Since the tender age of ten, I have encountered a smattering of little assaults, 
Guy edging next to me in a darkened bus stop and masturbating. Guy flashing his flaccid bouncing penis as I walked to the grocery store. Various catcalls from cars. Each one to different degrees forcing me back to that place of fear. That place that tells me that the very fact that I'm a woman is dangerous to me. And sends me headlong into that second assault. Shame. What's your response to hearing that? Oh, it's, it makes me terribly sad and angry and for her behalf. And for the, on behalf of all of the women, probably as that now famous hashtag says, yes, all women. I mean, I think all women have had something like that happen to them. And I think sometimes when something happens to you that's not a huge thing, that it's not a rape and it's not a, a molestation, you kind of think, oh, well, it's not a big deal. I shouldn't be this upset about it. Think about girls who are raped. Think about women who are assaulted or attacked in a more physical way or who are stalked in a more threatening way. This is nothing compared to that. And then you discount your own reaction to it. And I think that it's really great to see someone who has admitted that this technically small thing was actually a big thing for her. More of us should should recognize that. And even now that I'm thinking back of when I was telling my story on the assault episode one, I kind of said it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't actually attacked. But that's discounting what actually happened to me, which was actually very upsetting to me. I did have someone's hands on my body that I didn't want there. Yes, it's worse. Rape is worse than that, of course. But that's still it's still bad. It doesn't make that meaningless. One of my questions, which I don't really think that we'll be able to answer, but maybe we will, <laughs> probably not, is why shame? Where does the shame come from? Because that's the question I've been asking. Part of what she says in this article that we're not going to read is she was inspired to write the article because when I was telling my story, she could hear shame and embarrassment in my voice, even though I decided that I was going to tell the story anyway. And it reminded her of her own feelings of shame at being cat called at or having some guy masturbate near her. Why is shame a response? You're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, an, it's a really hard question. I think, I think the embarrassment might be, oh, gosh, I shouldn't, not maybe in her situation, but maybe in your situation. I remember when you, when you were telling me that story live, which was the first time I heard it, you said, I should have known or I shouldn't, why did I do this? I was so stupid or I don't think you used those words, but that's part of it. Not necessarily a sexual shame, but a shame of, oh, I put myself in that situation. I should have known better. But I think that there is also a sexual shame somehow. And I can't, I can't tell you. It's, it's tragic. It's tragic that the shame gets put on the woman and not the man. Right. I'm, another thing she says in this article, because she tries to get at the same question, and I don't know if this is the answer either, but this was her response. She said that she thinks... We feel shame because in some deep place within us, we feel like we have failed, failed in our sense of duty. In our duty to, to what? To do what? Well, this is what she says. She says that Western culture and probably others teach girls to be people pleasers and to stuff their own wants and desires in order to serve a greater good or to serve others. We're taught to be helpers, not to make waves and to give others the benefit of the doubt. And above all, be polite. These attitudes are so deeply ingrained, we often don't realize them until we're in a place where, by God, we should damn well be much more than impolite. And she goes on to say, I remember when the guy flashed me in broad daylight on a fairly well-trafficked road. I was trying to think of how to respond, and I distinctly remember thinking giving him the finger would be rude. That's crazy. It's crazy. But it's so true. That reminds me very much of the, of the cat calls from the cars. And there's that conflicted emotion when you're a young woman you kind of want the attention of men and so 
in a way, it's flattering. But in another way, it's not flattering. Why do men catcall from a car? What is the aim? Obviously, they're not slowing down to ask your name or number. No, they're just shrieking as they go by, right? I think we'd have to ask a man uh, who does that. Uh, I can only imagine that it would be because it makes them feel powerful, because they're making you feel uncomfortable. They're putting you in a position of weakness. They're in a position of power, especially if it's a woman who they think probably would never go out with them. I'm not a man hater. I love my husband and a lot of men in my life, but maybe by cat calling to her, it's putting her in a position where you have power over her. You, maybe you'll never be able to have sex with her because she would never accept that. But in that way, you can have a bit of power. I don't know. I'm curious because a lot of this discussion has been, I mean, obviously our assault discussions earlier were about our experiences overseas, but what this author, J.L. Spohr, is writing about is about uh, Western culture in general, um, which in her experience, of course, is in the United States. But in Italy, I'm reminded of that very famous photograph that's the black and white of the girl looking very kind of scared and disturbed while about eight Italian men... No, it's like 15. Yeah, hoot and holler at her. I don't remember what the name of the photograph is. It's called American Girl in Italy. And she looks so disturbed... And everybody loves that image. I know. And I've always why hated we, that image. Why do we love that image? That's not right. So is that the case? Is Italy even worse for this catcalling stuff as, as far as uh, your experience has been? I Because that's a reputation that's being displayed in this Okay. In first, this picture. first of all, that picture was taken a long time ago. Right. Uh, right. I know. Probably taken in the 40s or something. Definitely. I have to admit that I don't get catcalled very much. Maybe it's because I'm I'm not young anymore. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's not part of the culture, really. No, I think it used to be. Well, I went to Florence when I was 14 with my mother and my older sister back in the mid-90s. Actually, I think it was the early 90s now that I'm thinking about it. So that'll tell you how old I am. I remember getting catcalled constantly. I mean, I was 14. I was getting catcalled. My mother was in her, I don't know. She was middle-aged. She was getting catcalled. My mother is a gorgeous woman, but she was getting catcalled. My sister, I mean, it was constant. I think we even got pinched once, which if someone pinched me today, they would be punched in the face (laughs) so hard. But you would just be walking down the street and some man would just walk. He wouldn't even stop. He would just go in your direction. There can be various degrees of that. That can be harmless, but that can also be, you know, if you're alone, if you're in a foreign country, it depends on your situation, on your past. So uh, it could be flattering, too. That's what makes flatter- these issues yeah, very it be, difficult. It can be flattering. I think I remember it worse as well when I was in Lucca as, an, as a 19 year old, 20 year old studying. Um, so maybe Tuscany's worse. I actually have heard, no, I have, you laugh, but I've actually heard that it is worse in Tuscany. I don't know why. In Rome, I've definitely had my fair share of it but I think it's I I feel like it was worse in the States I feel like it was more a mean thing whereas here it's more like an appreciative thing like you'll just walk down the street and someone will say Bella like you know wow you're beautiful and it's almost like it's an appreciation thing it's their attitude towards it is is less it's less threatening why do you think it's threatening in the United States why is that kind of hoot from a car going by not the same thing I don't know I haven't experienced in the States in so long because I haven't lived there in so long I do go on that Twitter site, Everyday Sexism, occasionally, and I read the things that people say to women. And what I've read there is is, is much more negative than just a, just a simple, wow, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I remember in the States, when I lived in Boston, when I was in college, it was the middle of winter. I had a scarf tied around my hair, my head. And 
I walked down the street and some guy said something to me that wasn't rude. I mean, it was technically a cat call, but it was something like, hey, gorgeous, or, you know, something like that. I can't remember. And I barely heard it because I had this thing tied around my head. The guy was sort of in my peripheral vision. I just assumed he wasn't talking to me, that he was talking to someone else because I could barely hear him. So I just ignored it and I kept walking and I didn't even look in his direction. And the next thing he said was, bitch. And I thought, okay, that's what I don't like. If you want to call me Bella, that's fine. That's your prerogative. And maybe people will disagree with me on that. And I don't believe in calling out sexually explicit things. But if you want to just say, wow, you're gorgeous, it's fine. Say it. But if I don't turn and look at you and respond to you for my own personal reasons, maybe I'm on the phone, maybe I can't hear you, maybe I'm crying and I'm depressed because I had a bad day, could be anything. I don't owe you a reaction. You can say that to me, but I don't owe you a reaction. And I think that men not all men, obviously, but these men, the ones who are perpetrating this, feel that they deserve some kind of attention. And they get really angry when they don't get it. This topic is so big that I don't, I don't feel like we can fully discuss it in, in just one podcast. And a lot of people, because it's in the media a lot right now, just in this moment, it's getting a lot of attention. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there writing other brilliant articles about this that we won't even be able to scratch the surface of. But yeah, I mean, there's another issue that is raised for me that sort of forces me to tell another really unpleasant story, which I really hate to do. Wait, you're going to do it, aren't you? Uh, um, I guess so. This one has a lot of different issues because another thing that is written about in this article is about needing to be polite, trained to be polite. She also goes into that we're also trained to do anything to protect our own safety when we find ourselves in a in a bad situation. And this one is sort of about protecting my own safety in a bad situation. And then it turns into the other issue, which I want to talk about. Basically, long and the short of this story, and I'm not going to name any names because I still know all these people. So that's just the way it's going to be. I can make up names if you want me to, but I'm not going to. So there's this evening in a bar. And we're with a big group of friends. You shouldn't have been in a bar. It's your own fault. I know. You put right? yourself in the situation. Were you wearing a short skirt? I'm if sure I was wearing a dress of some kind. Then you were asking for it. Right. And you deserved it. Right. I know. Well, that's a whole nother issue, right? So I'm in a bar. I'm with a big group of friends. It's actually a group that's the majority women. Some I knew really, really well. Some I didn't know very well. And there was a, a guy there who is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Every woman, I'm sure, who runs into this man on a bus or on a street does a double take of some kind. And one of those people that's so classically good-looking, it's really hard not to flirt with him a little bit, even if you're not interested at all. You know how that is? If you're just like, wow, it's it's Johnny Depp. I feel like I have to flirt with him even though I'm, I'm married. You think Johnny Depp is attractive? Of course I do. You don't? No. God, no. I don't know if we should be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Never been a Johnny Depp fan. Sorry. Who are you a fan of? Jeremy Northam. Who's that? Well, <laughs> he was in Emma. Mm. He was in Gosford Park. Oh. Yeah. He, you know, he's an English, he's yeah. an English actor. Gotcha. He's oh, I, I think I know who you're talking about. That's my ideal. <laughs> After my husband, of course. Right. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, long story short of this. So, I mean, I'm sure I was casually flirting with this guy. I feel like every single woman at the table was probably casually flirting with this guy. Or maybe it wasn't that casual. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. And I excused myself from the table and I said, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Walked down the hall, 
it's a single woman's bathroom. So you I'm need to stop going to bathrooms. And I bars. know I hate bathrooms. But that's so sad that I should even say that even as a joke that a woman should have to be afraid to even use the bathroom. I know. And this is, you know, as innocent as it can be. And it's a single person stall. So I'm kind of waiting in the hallway for a little while. <laughs> and then the girl comes out and I go to in and I turn around to shut the door. And this guy literally did the thing where he slams his hand against the door and shoves the door open and comes in and turns around, locks the door behind him. I forget exactly what he said, but it was basically like wanting to make out. Mm-hmm. Part of me is just thinking, I really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and the other part of me is thinking, I have no desire to make out with you. And part of that made this a complicated issue was he was a former boyfriend of a friend of mine, which is another rule. You don't make out with, I don't anyway, make mm-hmm. out with former boyfriends of friends of mine. Unless we've all agreed that, <laughs> yes, you're soulmates. Go ahead and make out. <laughs> but he was not taking no for an answer. I have never been closer to being seriously sexually assaulted than this person. Really? Yes. Because he was gropey. He was trying to stick his tongue down my throat. He was offering, I'll do this sexual favor for you. I'll do this one, this one. Get away from me. You know, it was just really, really intense. And saying, get away from me, I'm not interested, wasn't working at all. Do you think it was because he was so attractive that he was used to any woman just wanting to be with him? Yes, probably. Maybe everyone was just, sure, I'd love to make out with you. This is fantastic. It's definitely possible. No, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to do this. Get away from me. I just want to use the bathroom. That was not getting through. So I switched my tactic. And this is where the preserving yourself comes from, right? Mm-hmm. All of our friends are here. Your girlfriends, he, by the way, he had a girlfriend. Your girlfriend's supposed to show up any minute. I swear, I really want to do this. I really want to. But now is not the time. Now is not the time. I promise you, I will get in touch and we will make this happen. I switched wow. to that tactic. And that was- that's when he let me out of the room. Wow. Until then, he was barring the door. And that's just such an awful thing to have to do. But at the same time, it was a life present. I knew that the other way wasn't, he wasn't taking no. Do you think that he would have raped you? I have no idea. He was definitely not letting me out of that room until I switched to that tactic. I don't know if he would have or, or not, or if I would have just kicked him in the balls eventually, but I don't know. But it worked. It was very humiliating, self-preservating, begging. Oh, yeah, I guarantee you. Oh, you're such a great guy. I'm wow. into this. But your girlfriend's about to show up. Terrible to have to do something like that. There's obviously some shame that would come from having to do that, even though I thought it was a really, wow, that really worked. You, you know? were, No, you were <laughs> very, very smart and quick on your feet. Yeah, I actually felt pretty good about how I had done that, yeah. but I was furious. And because this guy was a friend in the circle of friends, even though I didn't know him very well, I went to the girl that he formally dated and told her this story. And was basically insisting, you need to take my side on this. This is not okay. I don't know what I expected her to do, but I was very upset about it. I need sympathy from you guys for this. And and he is a bad person, and you should not be hanging out with this guy. He's a rapist. And maybe that was unfair because she had been with him, and it drew into questions of, well, what did she do? Did Did the same thing happen, and she fall for it, or... Was she really into him? Did they actually have a good relationship? Who knows? I don't know what questions were raised for her, but she didn't take my side on that because she felt like I know him. 
I don't know what happened with you guys and, and why that happened, but this is a, a good friend of mine, and there's no way I'm not going to Do you think get that rid she of him. straight up didn't believe you, or do you think it was more like denial, like she didn't want to accept it? Or what it felt like to me was that he was the better friend to her at the time. She didn't want to side with me on that one or maybe she thought that I was flirting with him a lot and I brought it on I don't I don't know what she thought because it was uh it was difficult to know but at that moment she took his side and that was a, a very damaging thing for our friendship and I can imagine yeah but I mean my demands were high my demands were this guy is a jerk you should not be friends with him anymore I don't know what he would have done to me in that bathroom, but he is an evil man, <laughs> was basically my position. And the fact that n none of them went with me on that was difficult. Now, that's kind of an extreme situation, and I am friends with this girl now. We've never talked about it since then, so I don't know if the, in the intervening years it became less important, and it is. I don't really, as long as I don't ever have to see him, I, I don't really care if they're friends, but part of the shame issue that other women react negatively too, because we're also in competition with one another. I mean, I think that that's another part of the problem and why I'm glad that women are talking about this, is too often we are competing also. You end up being too isolated. Yes, you have your good friends that support you, but you also are constantly trying to be the better woman in the group or get the most attention or whatever it is that women do when they're jockeying for position. Mm -hmm. No, I have, a, I have two acquaintances who suffered really horribly first were raped and then had f girlfriends who didn't believe them uh one was in a she was studying abroad in poland and she was raped by one of the guys in her group and none of her friends believed her the guys and girls they all took the side of the guy who raped her and the second situation was even more traumatic because the girl and i don't know this girl she was a sister of a friend of mine she was kidnapped, and I believe she was in high school. It wasn't a friend. It was a stranger and was raped several times by him and then basically dropped off on her street in nothing but her T-shirt and had to run into the house. I think there was, no, there was a party going on. Anyway, the point is she ran into the house of these friends of hers who were partying, and she had just been assaulted, and she was wearing a T-shirt. I mean, imagine the shame that you would feel in that position or just trauma like trauma I, and then shame on top of it and you know being having been a victim and then your friends don't even believe you your girlfriends don't even believe you and they think you're doing it to try to get attention i don't know i don't know yeah well that's why i hope that the yes all women movement actually gets women more aware the thing i love about it is that it's getting women more aware of the fact that this is happening to every woman and they're not the only one yeah and that maybe just drawing attention to it will will get men to realize even men that just do cat calls just because they think it's what dudes do when they're hanging out together will realize that maybe that's not something you should be doing <laughs> Certainly, you shouldn't be assaulting anyone in a bathroom if you happen <laughs> to be listening. And I also hope that it it makes not only that people feel isolated, but they learn to support each other better and not be jealous or angry or just hear each other out, maybe. Yeah. Maybe just to end, you were saying that you thought that moving abroad taught you to be less... Polite. Yeah, less polite. Yeah, it has. I think in general, not just in those situations, <laughs> I'm less polite. I think I yell at people more here 
if they're rude to me, I kind of give back. I hate to say it. I should be I should be the better person, but I'm not always. In this situation, I've I've lived more of my adult years in Italy now, and I think I was a bit sheltered when I was younger in the States, so maybe it's just because I've been here. But and I've been in some bad situations. I've gotten a little bit jaded. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I've got, gotten experience. Yeah, I've gotten smarter. And I've gotten to the point where I know when somebody is doing something they shouldn't be doing. And I don't I don't give people the benefit of the doubt anymore. If a guy is, is doing something that I find to be threatening, I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think, oh, maybe I'm misunderstanding. I don't think that anymore. And if I offend him, and if he's actually... If I mis- truly am misunderstanding him and I offend him in what I'm doing, you know what? That's okay because that's not nearly as bad as putting myself at risk for being attacked. So I think that's, even if I have one message, what's worse, offending a guy who's innocent or putting yourself in a risk? Worst case scenario, you're going to offend somebody and that's not the end of the world. He'll get over it. But protect yourself is more important. All right, let's leave it there. This is the bittersweet life. The bitter, bitter sweet life. <laughs> well, it'll be sweeter next week. Definitely. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Hi, Katie here in Rome. If you listen to the podcast a lot and you haven't yet donated, please consider supporting this podcast. Podcasting is great. It allows long-form interviews to be long-form. It allows people to listen without having to listen to advertising. Some podcasts have advertising. We do not. That's intentional. But we do need your support. Support for the art, for conversation, for information, for the creation of this podcast, and for podcasts yet to come. Podcasting is a wonderful thing. It puts radio in the hands of the creator. But it does need your support. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Whatever you can give is so welcome, and we're so thankful for it, you can't even believe. A little bit goes a long way, particularly when you're supporting art that's just coming from the ground up. Thank you so much for your support and for listening to this podcast. It's nice to go on this journey together. (laughs) 